the expression from the music inspired me so much to take risks and it inspired damn near the whole rap game. Hello again, I'm Adam Unz. You may know me as the host of The Opus, and now I'm bringing my own show, The Spark Parade, to the Consequence Podcast Network. I speak with artists and creatives about the cultural artifacts that spark their personal interest and creativity, whether it's music, books, movies, video games, or any other kind of art. I've never spoke about it in this amount of detail. I'm suddenly going, oh my God, I'm blowing my own mind here, Christ. It's, it's actually a giant part of my life. By talking about the things we love, we share and discover insights into our personality and the things that drive us. It's just magic, really. I mean, frustrating and it makes some people angry, but I don't think anyone's ever done anything like it. I speak with people like Connor Robers, Phoenix's Thomas Mars, Chris Gethard, Helen Hong, Adrian Young, and more, so their sparks of inspiration can start a fire in you. I'm grateful for those who continue to put our history and who we are as a people in the forefront and make you see it. Find the Spark Parade wherever you get your podcasts. He's wild. He's sweet. He'll shred your couch on a whim. Then come crawling back to you, purring happily at your feet. His behavior may be erratic, but he's still the world's best cat, who deserves nothing less than world's best cat litter. The number one natural and sustainable litter brand with no harmful chemicals or silica dust. Trade your clay today. Get world's best cat litter for the world's best cat. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2022 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. And get your favorite drinks delivered today. <laughs> Episode 238. I hope you're all... That's my announcer voice. <laughs> we kind of need an intro because we don't okay. have anything else. What do you got? Give it to me. Give the old right, school. You ready? Okay, you ready? <clears throat> Let me give it a try. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 238 of the Monodrummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. I am Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com, and my co-host, who will be joining me shortly, but he's already here, is Mr. Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. Today, we're going to be catching up a little bit, and after that, we're going to talk about the importance of bottom head tuning. We're also going to get into our current influences. In our gear review section, we'll be checking out a great set of snare drums from Doc Sweeney, and we'll give you our fix of the week. So let's get started. Man, and let's start throwback. <laughs> God, I was out of breath. I haven't done that's that forever. It's been a year since you've done that. Yeah. Right? It was, yeah, I just, it's the only thing my wife makes fun of me for is if she hears that. If, if she hears our <laughs> podcast, she's like, oh, you're a douche. You listen to your own podcast. But if right. she hears that, she's like, you're sleeping in the spare bedroom. You're an absolute <laughs> you're moron. A douche, you listen to your own podcast. <laughs> And I always try to convince her, I'm like, babe, you don't understand. If I don't listen to it, I don't know what we need to improve. <laughs> so I listen to like maybe one out of every six episodes just to check in and go like, oh, that was cool. We should do more of that. Or go, oh, that was horrible. We shouldn't ever do that again. But she thinks I'm listening to hear my own voice. Well, we should never do that canned intro ever again. How about that? I am 100% okay with that. <laughs> okay, good. What is up? Welcome into F. Oh, God. Oh, man. Uh Goodness. So let's get into it. What is happening? You launched a new, uh, finally, the Vic First stuff is out. So let's yeah. remind everyone what that entailed. Because you didn't just so, do yeah. that. That was a while ago. Right. So I went down to Los Angeles. Uh, they have like a West Coast office for Zildjian and for Vic Firth. 
in Burbank. So I went down there and filmed a ton of stuff with Mark Wessels and Ben Davies, and we had a blast. But it was a lot of it was this thing where Vic Firth was in the process of maybe creating a separate educational channel. They didn't really know when that was going to happen, when that was going to take place. So in all honesty, I didn't really know where will this content live. I also... It's it's kind of hard to explain, but I it was my first time in a long time letting somebody else take control of me making educational content as far as their cameras, them pressing record, them grabbing <laughs> the memory cards. I was like, do you? you should, no. Can I just... <laughs> I've been like do going this? to a house kit, right? Like, well, all right, what oh. what backline kit am I going to get today? And then, you and how do you not sound snobby. like an abs? Yeah, <laughs> how do you not sound like an ass to be like, oh, they still make that? <laughs> I was like, ah, ka 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 ka. So, yeah. uh, I got to say, for what they had there, and they were on, you know, this is a total satellite thing for Vic Firth. I mean, their main offices are on the East Coast. They actually had a great setup, so it was cool. We we did it, but the bulk of it was, why don't we create a new hashtag called VF Challenge, and let's try to make something that's as inclusive as possible. So I came up with like 20 different challenges, and I tried to make sure they were all things that pretty much anybody that can play drums can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yesterday's was our launch of it, and it was the... Paradiddle challenge, uh, Paradiddle alphabet challenge, but you had to say two letters out loud and then two in your head, so silently. Uh, and that was something I thought, well, I don't really need you to play the Paradiddles very fast. If you can play them at 50 BPM, that's fine by me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of the goal with that. It no, Neither, neither, Vic Firth nor I were prepared for it to blow up as fast as it did. Oh, it yeah. was hundreds and hundreds of submissions in like minutes so first of all the challenge was uh, apparently way too easy <laughs> so one of the kids that damn near won the internet yesterday did it with pi so two numbers of pi then two numbers of pi in his head then two numbers of pi out loud then two numbers okay, in his that's head. just that's that's just weird you're disqualified that's just weird <laughs> no more it was no more uh one kid did it uh, frontwards and then backwards. So Again, two letters. You're out, man. Yeah. If, you, if you can go to MIT, you're out of these challenges. <laughs> as soon as I, I wrote, I literally wrote, if if I can't do it, then no. Like, you know, it's my challenge. Don't don't make me have to go practice. But show anyway, so we started teacher. that. Number one rule: it was don't great. show up your teacher. Right. Okay. So, <clears throat> little negativity. I don't really ever get to rant. I'm not going to use names. Okay. So, I wanna, I, this is the internet, and you and I both know that when you have, say, 1,000 comments, mm, it'll yes. be 998 positive ones, you one skim stinger. right through them. Yeah, the one stinger. But the, yep, and then you go, <laughs> why is this making my chest throb? So anyways, <laughs> I, I don't want to feel like I'm in high school again, and I have to like see this guy at lunch and then fight him, and ugh. But I've got, like, honor band auditions, so do I just hit him with my elbows because I don't want to mess up my hands? <laughs> so anyways, those are my thoughts when I was getting into a beef. Honor band auditions. <laughs> I oh, would I'm fight you, but I have honor band back. auditions tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. 1991? <laughs> uh, yeah, my first honor band would have been, yeah, that's freshman year for me, 91. <laughs> well, we've got Golden Empire Festival coming up, so I have to get ready for that. <laughs> All right. I'm, hit, I'm playing the gong in Car- Carmina Barana. Oh, God. So, he, so 
random dude, this is on uh, on the post, the actual challenge, says, guaranteed to get you a gig, oh wait, dot, dot, dot. Meaning, like, this would never get you a gig. So, I totally get it. I actually think that's, like, a fair comment. I'm okay with that. So, I tried to respond in the best way I could and said, like, hey, I totally get that. But in all honesty, I developed this exercise to, as a fun way to help my students learn how to speak while playing so that on a gig, they could say something like, hey, guitarist, the reason you have no sound is because you stepped on your cable while still playing a groove. You know, communicate. Mm-hmm. When I was touring, being able to talk to my tech while playing a show in like a, a massive, you know, a, not arena, but like a show, that was a, a great skill to have instead mm-hmm. of having to talk in quarter notes. Be like, bro. You just that might take an hour to get through that. So I so that's how I developed this thing. It was like a fun game, and then we eventually turned it in. Actually, Modern Drummer was a big part of it. Then it was Paradiddles, and I would open a random page of Modern Drummer to an ad, and you would have to announce the ad out loud, mm-hmm. like you were reading it for the radio. So, anyways, it's like learning how to that, sing and play, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and this is and come on, man, this is the internet. We're, I'm trying to have some fun here. Uh, well, I mean. Yeah, that's that's a debate between you and him about what is practical and what is not practical. But I think ultimately it's just about getting people to practice the freaking drums, right, exactly. give them something to do. It's just fun. It's you're not it was just you're not fun. say like this is your audition for Ariana Grande. <laughs> at it's no like, this point is an am Instagram I ex- challenge for people. Yes, to at just- no point am I expecting Usher to turn around and go, "Hey, can you do inverted paradiddles while saying the alphabet backwards?" <laughs> no, out. I am. <laughs> I imagine you probably inspired dozens, if not hundreds, of people to just practice a little bit more. Is and there anything like else, some... any other reason for doing what we do? No. I mean, that's that's part of being an educator is, hey, I know how frustrating this is. Let's have some fun. And then people started posting their bloopers, which was awesome. Like I said, a kid posted pie. That was amazing. <laughs> Again, disqualified. Uh, just go to MIT. Yeah, of course. Solve the world's problems. <laughs> <laughs> we need you working on bigger things than this. Definitely not uh, fair at all. But in the end, it was an absolutely amazing day. So I, I was stoked on that. And then Vic Firth will start posting people's responses later. And I've always despised those people that when you get to their story on Instagram, there's like... 70 little dots at the top and I'm like I'm not watching all this I don't care mm. how, how how cool your last 24 hours was <laughs> I became that guy because I couldn't stop reposting people's entries <laughs> yeah that is a bit of a uh, diminishing returns if, if I get like five deep and there's like 20 more I'm like I'm out man I don't care totally what I don't care. you're doing <laughs> I really don't I, I, now it luckily it was 20 or 30 deep of or maybe a little more deep of other people <laughs> If it's 20 of me updating you on what my last 24 hours has been, that's when Amber has a point. You're a douche, Johnston. (laughs) Even though she doesn't have Instagram, I think one of our students would write her and say, hey, just so you know, your husband just posted his 17th post of himself in the last 24 hours. Then we have a problem. Watching himself, watching himself. Watching himself, watching oh my himself. <laughs> Hashtagging himself while adding himself. Goodness gracious. What's going on with you, bud? Uh, well, Modern Drummer's still cranking, so it's, you know, I'm, I'm working full-time at my computer, as always. It's just in my dining room instead of in my office. Gotcha. Uh, we got a lot of other things for Modern Drummer that we're starting to launch. I'm doing some web interviews. 
that are coming out soon. So my day is just as full as ever. Um, right. And all of my musician friends are now looking to make records, of course, yeah. because they're doing nothing else. So I've got a backlog of, I mean, I've got an old student in Korea that wants to do something. Wow. So, you know, I've got a backlog of, of like three full records that, that are going to take me forever to do, which is fine, but it's also a little bit of anxiety. Like, come on, it's like, can I do one this week? Do I got to do 20 tracks right, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. week? Yeah. I, gotta... I can see how that would build up. So as someone who doesn't do session work, has everything that's going on in the world changed the pay structure and the payment scale? Nope. Is everyone looking for hookups, or is it people nope. understand if I'm hiring you to play on my album, I'm going to have to pay you? Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it really Good. that Good. that side of it does not change. Just like with with Skype lessons and things, it had, none of that has changed. I don't have anyone asking for freebies. Um, but Good. at the same time, there's a couple of friends of mine that we just have fun. And I don't charge them. It's you know, yeah, it's an original if it's project, it's a little bit totally. more experimental. But what I'm trying to do is knock out all three of these very different projects without changing my kit. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm going to resist what, their urge. What is the kit going to be? I think I'm going to rock this uh, oak kit, the Bucks County the bu- oak kit. The Bucks County. Yeah, yeah. Tw- 12, 14, 20. Um, maybe for the rock record, the bass drum will have to be swapped. And I'm, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with the rock record. That'll be weird. But I've got like a smooth jazz thing. It'll be perfect. I've got like a like a kind of a throwback 50s Phil Spector kind of vibe. It'll be perfect for that. So we'll see. But either way, I, awesome, wanna, I don't want to obsess over that. I want to just get this stuff done so I can get back to my own experiments. I've also been messing around. I'm, I'm finally finishing up some microphone shootouts I've been wanting to do for a couple of years. Right. And it's, Is that know, what influenced your pick of the week? Yes, it is. because So I'm, you just, we won't say what it is, but you realize like, Dang, no wonder. Yeah. This well, thing just won't go away. You know, you're always like, oh, maybe that other mic will sound better, that other mic will sound better. But I'm I'm finding that the things that I thought were the good six years ago that I just was too ignorant to know, I just thought, okay, this is what everyone's using. They sound good to me. And I did a shootout of a bunch of other things, and the things I liked before still sound good. Nothing has changed yet. I'm doing hi-hats today. Hi-hat mics, <laughs> of all things. <laughs> Didn't even know there was such a thing. Yeah. Well, that's a tricky one because if you use a yeah. super bright mic, it just sounds really harsh. But if you use that's a really a dull point. mic, it might not give you enough high end. So I'm trying to find something, which I know what it's going to be. And it'll be my pick of the week. <laughs> oh, really? Is that a good hi-hat mic? Yeah. It's it just is. a good well, we'll microphone, find out. right? We'll find out. Okay. 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 All right. Out. Well, let's uh, dive into some education. So you did a video that I watched a few times today. And it absolutely, I was so happy, it confirmed everything that I've been telling my students for a long time, but I've never really taken the time to do something like what you did. And uh, I will say, because I know that you you actually do it on the Doc Sweeney thing too, the way that you did this, where you play, you tune, but you speed up the tuning, mm-hmm. make that like a standard thing for you because... It's just, it's just really, really well done. I was really blown away by it. So the video I'm talking about, you did a whole video on the importance of bottom head tuning. And in the video I watched, you just used the 12-inch rack tom from the Bucks County kit. Yes, and I did the same thing with snare drum, too. So we could do both if you want. If you want to get super nerd, we could do tom and snare I drum. I say, let's, let's go... Uh, let's, let's, let's go both. Let's go okay, big. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> All right, so the I'll give you the setup. So the tom tuning I started the drum is a eight by twelve six ply oak 
coated uh, Evans G1 on top, clear Evans G1 on bottom. I started by getting the batter head to its lowest possible pitch, which was just above wrinkles. And then I matched it with the bottom and then tuned the bottom up a whole step. That's like my my interval that I think sounds best most of the time is a whole step. So I started there. Batter as low as, low as it could go, bottom a whole step up. I used two Sennheiser E904 mics, one on top and one on bottom. The bottom was, uh, polarity was reversed. And that's it. So it's only those mics, no overheads, no rooms, nothing else. So you're just hearing the drum. So I, what did I do? I kept the, the top head where it was, played it four notes or so, and then went around the drum, tuned up each lug an eighth of a turn on the bottom, played it again, went all the way up until I felt like the drum was just completely out of whack. And then I would raise the top head an eighth turn and then gradually bring the bottom down. So I kept doing this kind of accordion tuning approach. I got to say, since you're, for most of you, you'll be listening to this and not watching this, I, I encourage you to go to Mike's YouTube channel and watch it. But you, if you just listen, you're going to think he's tuning the top head. He never, ever touches the top head. Yeah. And that's what I've been telling everyone for so long is your tone and your pitch is coming from your bottom head. Like, please do not neglect the tuning or the heads themselves. A lot of times mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. Get some old heads. All right, I'll throw those on the bottom because I don't hit them. Um, it's like, no, 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 no. That's the important one. Throw throw your old heads on the top. Make sure your bottom heads are good. Uh, but I, I got to say, too, before we listen to it, there were two things that really stuck out to me. One, it was just great to be to hear the confirmation of how much that bottom head really affects the pitch of the drum. Two, how much that bottom head is responsible for the resonance because every mm -hmm. single tuning you did has a choke point. Yep. Um, no matter what you did to the top head, at some point, as you're tuning up the bottom head, the drum just chokes, and there is no more resonance. Yep, and there's a um, very obvious spot where they kind yes. of bloom and speak together. To oh, totally. Yeah, there's yep. that kind of harmonic resonance. All right, you want to listen to some of this stuff? Yeah, so we're just going to drop in. Uh, we won't do the whole five-minute clip. It'll just be the first chunk. So the batter head does not change. I'm taking the bottom head from basically as low as it can go to the point of choking out, and we're going to hear all that so the top head does not change at all You know what's incredible about that is that when you start off, the drum to most people's ears would probably be like, okay, well, that's you can't use that. <laughs> but as you bring that bottom head up, then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. There, wait, how is that drum that high-pitched and full of resonance? But maybe because of the lower top tuning, now there's this smack to it and mm -hmm. this attack that's really cool. Yeah, it definitely has a punch, and it just feels pleasant there. That's I think that's something I often forget is you really get the batter head to where it feels the way you want it to feel and then use the bottom to adjust the tone and the pitch. Ooh, that's that's good. That's really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
I was blown away. It, kind of blown. I'm also seeing this. Everyone else is hearing it. I'm kind of blown away by how good that drum looks. Because I have the <laughs> snare of it, but you have the whole kit of it. Uh, so whatever. I'm trying to ignore that. But no, it, it's really incredible. And then that choke point that I talked about. It there's an obvious point where there's just no more resonance. Yeah, and yeah, and I think again. I forgot that you can control the sustain of a drum by the interval between the heads, and I don't. I don't use that enough in in practicality, especially on gigs. If like the rack tom is just ringing forever, for, compared to the floor tom, you just a wider. You know, yeah, Usually, I just throw on gels, but actually, I could just yeah. bring up the bottom head, maybe bring down the top head, just make that interval wider, and it's not going to ring as long. Which when I when I tested um, Steve Ferroni's kit was at Nam a couple years ago, the Heartbreakers kit. Oh, okay. And whenever I see like a famous drummer's kit, the first thing I do is see how they have it tuned. Like, what's you know where are they where are they sit, and he had a huge interval between the top and bottom head, like a fifth or something, which really? I would never do. But that makes sense he, for front of house. He wants the tom to hit and speak, get out of the way. There's done. no tape on it. It just it sounds like an open drum, but it's like really short. And I would wow. never do that wide of an interval. But I might now. That's really cool. I might now. All right, so. Was there a massive difference in the theory of all of this when you took it to the snare drum? Because it's obviously a different beast. Yeah, very different. Um, because this bottom head is being naturally deadened by the wires, so there, I didn't notice much of like a sweet spot. What I noticed was going from boxy to like super high fidelity. That was the difference I noticed. Like oh, it just wow. sound. I felt like I. This confirmed that you can make a new drum sound like an old drum if you just detune the bottom head. It's going to have that weird kind of boxy feel and and sound. And you can make you can bring out the the presence of a drum by cranking the bottom head. And this must have been the dream snare drum to do it with. Yes, I got the um, the dial tune that we reviewed a few weeks back, so I could just. Turn the dial man, and crank the bottom. Ten head. lugs, ten lugs going around. <laughs> yeah. That would just take forever, man. Yeah, the, at the, some point I would give up. The for yeah, making the tom tuning video took three times as long as making the <laughs> the snare drum tuning video. Uh, all, all right, right so well, let's give it a listen. Drum. Yeah. So this is the same thing. I've got the batter head tuned um, medium high. It's kind of my starting point for, with every drum, and then the bottom head is going from like paper flap all the way up to as as much tension as I could possibly get on it.
I definitely hear why so many modern drummers of today crank their bottom snare head because yeah. that's the sound. It, I, I think we have to be very careful to not think that one of these snare sounds sounds better than any of the others. They're all options, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's subtle. I mean, in the room and, and under the sticks, you could feel a massive difference. Like with the bottom head really low, it felt like I was hitting a broken drum. Which was really? kind of interesting. It, just, it was it was just that weird boxiness, which again reminds me some of the vintage drums I have that I feel like are just too boxy. I probably should get the bottom edge recut, and then I'd be able to tune the bottom head tighter, and it wouldn't have that weird boxiness. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, it's really cool, and I think you described it perfectly. There was just this moment that it felt like you slapped an EQ plug-in on it. It was like, yeah. oh, there we go. Now it sounds yeah. like a modern snare drum. But yeah, that's crazy that it's going anything. from vintage to modern. Yeah, I didn't change anything. It's basic EQ that I would put on any snare drum recording. I mean, actually, I think on the, the mics themselves, I didn't do anything. So just like mastering on the whole thing. But yeah, it just came to life. It just came became more crisp. But that's not always what you want. If I was playing like a real kind of rootsy Americana thing and I only had this drum, I might detune that bottom head and have it be kind of ratty. Well, I think that's the the beauty of any of this stuff that we do as drum nerds at home when we start swapping heads and trying stuff out and throwing window weather stripping uh, underneath the head for muffling. I mean, everything that we've tried as drum nerds, I think what's cool is you start to realize how many sonic options your current drum set actually has and your current yeah, totally. snare drum actually has. And it's not about gear hoarding sometimes i i still marvel at the fact that i i have some really really nice drum sets and i'm staring at a drum set that's 60 years old on my stage <laughs> you paid full price for <laughs> i know unreal man and yeah it's and so i i think but it's one of those things where when you find what you like stick with it and realize y- you can pretty much get it to do anything i mean you just said you're gonna probably record three albums on one kit and the only mm-hmm. thing you might swap out besides tuning would be the bass drum yeah yeah exactly you know and th- and that to me is well if you find what you like get a 20 and a 22 in that in that kit yeah that, yeah if the practical drummer in me says do that but the just the, oh. the child in me is like no i want to be able to pull out my 68 ludwig when i need right. that vibe <laughs> walk into my lobby and check the wall <laughs> It's just rows and rows of unneeded snare drums that make me feel better about like, well, if it ever came up that somebody said, do you have a 16 by one brass? I'd be like, yeah, I have A&F's pancake snare. you damn right I do. Let's do this. Actually, that is one of my few drums where I'm like, nope, there's no other drum that I own that can do that. The yeah. 16 by 1. Yeah. And I then mean, how often do you need that? That's a whole other argument. Well, but. I'm still waiting, but... <laughs> I've only had the drum for three years, so it might come up. All right. Well, I think the big takeaway here is that the bottom head, I mean, your YouTube video says snare drum edition does the bottom drum head tuning really matter. I think the big takeaway is it absolutely does. And in my opinion, it's as important, if not more important than the top head. And I think what you said was beautiful. Get the drum on top to feel the way you want it to feel and respond the way you want it to respond, and then really dial in your pitch and tone from the bottom head. And I, I'm going to actually go to the kit later today and do that because I've never thought of it quite like that, mm-hmm. where it's like, what's my favorite feel of a 12-inch tom? Now make it sound that the way that I want it to sound through the bottom head. Yeah, you kind of have to shut your ears off because the sound is going to be deceiving. If Maybe even like right. mute, take the bottom head off entirely maybe. 
it's it's tough. It's tough for yeah. me to kind of take the the bottom head tuning out of the equation when I'm tuning for feel. Yeah, That's, and if there was hard fast rules about this stuff we would already there'd be no reason to still have this podcast it'd be like right. no this is the way to tune and that's <laughs> yeah. the thing is as soon as you start messing with that bottom head it's probably going to affect the feel of the drum too just like the bottom head on the snare affected the feel but i think that that's a, a good place to put your mind when you're trying to do this stuff and it just most importantly gets people to think about how how responsible that bottom head is for the tone the fact that on both of those audio clips we just showed you guys that the top head never changed the eq never changed the only thing that changed was the tuning of the bottom head i think that's pretty awesome yeah and for the two of you who gave me a thumbs down i'll see you in after school <laughs> oh my goodness but what if you have honor band tryouts <laughs> no i'll break a knuckle on your face yes <laughs> good okay so i'm not above feeling the sting Whew. it just doesn't uh, make any go. sense i mean this i whatever. i mean why if you don't the, like it, don't watch it. I didn't put it those up are there my for fa- you. <laughs> I feel like I did. Okay, I uploaded a video yesterday. So let's see how many uh, thumbs downs I got. Uh, this only, <laughs> I mean, a normal video like this only takes me about <clears throat> maybe seven hours of work. So it's no big deal. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, we've got 745 thumbs up. And three thumbs down. So three people three. were watching this, and they were like, you know what? This is actually really pissing me off. This is a very bad video. I'm I need to find that thumb on. down thing. And they had to navigate to it and then <laughs> click on it. And then they had to like go to Google and check, can someone research if I thumbs down them? Because they don't want me to know they actually did it. And so I know that I've done something wrong if I don't have any thumbs down. So I think the first company, thing buddy. I got was a thumbs down on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the damn iPad. <laughs> I feel like I'm batting 100 if I get an immediate thumbs down before I know you couldn't have even possibly watched it. Like, I literally That's just the, uploaded it. Totally. Those are the best. <laughs> and, and same vice versa. It's like, look, I if it's like 20 thumbs up and I'm like, wait, I uploaded it eight seconds ago. I appreciate the support. But do me a favor and just watch a little bit. I had some guy yesterday uh, that said... You always say to make it your own, but I like the way you played it, but I think I'll just add a cowbell into it. And I was like, oh, that's cool. At the three-minute mark, I hit the cowbell about 15 times, so apparently you didn't watch the whole video. <laughs> and he's like, well, do you own any woodblocks, John?" Actually, he said, go drink tea, Johnston. Do you own any woodblocks? And I was like, huh. no. And then huh. he's like, well, then I'll put in a woodblock. I was like, okay, good job. <laughs> We're all good then. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Everybody's on edge these days. Let's just take a chill pill and support each other. <laughs> Damn right. Wait, whoa, whoa! You sound like me now. That's not you. I'm supposed to say that. I mean, Look, guys. I don't, I don't really care. But it's not good for your health to be like thumbs downing people who are just having fun I, with the internet. <laughs> like, give me a I break. Know. I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that I have a thumbs down opinion of, so I move on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I just but don't I don't. I don't it. be like, you know what? I'm gonna rip this architect up because that is a crappy roof. Now I will Here say, we go. I definitely had a uh, the first time ever I was like publicly angry when I saw that Wisconsin had to vote on Tuesday. I was like, oh, I can't, I yeah. can't not troll the senators for Wisconsin right now. That's the first right. time on Twitter that I actually like tagged someone. Is like, what are you doing? And that was you it. Went public with it. I went public. That was it? I went. That was the first That's time. That's a ever. little. Okay, so senators asking people to vote during a pandemic versus bottom head snare tuning. I think 
I think yours is a little bit more understandable. No one's than dying the, the, from me <laughs> playing a dial tune snare and, and having you think I'm faking it somehow. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's get into positivity, our current influences. <laughs> Who are we listening to that makes us want to play the kit and ignore the haters of the world? Uh, so this time I went with I went with two people that I'm, for the most part, listening to them play drums by themselves. And then I went with somebody that I've never heard play the drums by himself, and he plays with a band. And so... I'm kind of splitting it up into who plays okay. kind of internet drummers versus albums that I'm listening to that are gaming inspired. So I'm going to start off with someone that does play a ton of music. He's a great musician, but I usually listen to him play drums by himself. I would put him in my top three favorite drummers of all time right now. So I can't say all time. My top three favorite drummers right now. So this guy definitely gets me over to the drum set. Okay. I watch him play. I want to go play drum set, and that is, I will absolutely butcher his name, but Raghav Mayrotra. The, right, uh, is that the kid I that think... was in School of Rock on Broadway? Yes. Yeah, yep. he's a beast. So he is, to me, the dream combination of Nate Smith and Keith Carlock. Put them together, you get Raghav. Um, okay. Because there's this, like, really incredible jazz conversation happening between his limbs but all in straight time but with the pocket of someone like Nate Smith and it is just incredible every time I see him play I run to the drum set and try to capture whatever he was doing I never try to figure out what he's doing but it's like oh that feel that he was going for what is that and somehow he's able to do that all while smiling at the camera like it's no big deal which kind of makes him a punk like I'm kind of like, really? Could you just pretend that it's difficult for you to do this? Because yeah, he's like, I mean, oh man, no he's big deal. Like the, the kid that can just do backflips just naturally, and he's like, come on, yeah, how can stop you do it. that? <laughs> stop doing backflips. Like, what are you going to do? Like, play paradiddles and and count pi and skip two two numbers? <laughs> Robbie, go to MIT. Get out of drumming. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he is. Uh, he's definitely a current influence of mine. He's a bees, and he's still young too, right? Yeah. Mid-teens, like really late-teens. Yeah. Well, I'm going with an old classic that I um, I rekindled my love for, and that's Bill Stewart. He was... Mm. I first discovered Bill Stewart when I was in middle school, and it was because I heard Dennis Chambers played with John Schofield, so I went to Waxy Maxies or Sam Goody or something, bought a John Schofield record, expecting Dennis Chambers to be on it, and it was Bill Stewart. It was a totally opposite experience that's a very different pairing it was almost like the universe was saying hey you know what dennis is cool but what you really need to do is check out this dude gotcha the record was um i'll tell you here it was was not the first thing he played on with schofield it was the record mint no what we do 1993 what we do it's a quartet record with uh, joe lovano Bill's first record was Time on My Hands and then Meant to Be and then a later one with Pat Metheny. So there's a whole slew of stuff in the mid-90s that, that he's on that um, just changed my world. I For me, he had defined modern straight-ahead jazz. I stopped listening to him in college because I sounded way too much like Bill Stewart, like a mm. really bad version of Bill Stewart. But I found this video, so this is what got me back into it. It is... It's a full concert on YouTube. John Schofield Trio. 
Uh, it's in Germany. I can't pronounce the city. Leverkusen. 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 Keep saying it. From 2010. So that's like the later version of the trio when they kind of became a little bit more, um, a little bit more aggressive. Bill's playing is a little bit more aggressive. But it's an amazing, amazing concert, and that band, that trio is fantastic. So Bill Stewart, again, his his clarity, his his control, his sound, it's just really great. So he's my current, recurrent, from 25 years ago, influence. I love it. He's uh, probably, I think he was my first modern jazz drummer that was, that made its way into like people I listened to daily after he played the Modern Drummer Festival. Yeah, and yeah, I had that VHS and I watched it every day yep. for five Same years thing. probably. And normally I would be like, oh, and then they have a jazz guy later in the videotape. I won't watch that. And I couldn't stop <laughs> wa- I couldn't stop watching it. Uh, How about his left all- foot pulling the hi-hat stand yes. back? Yes, yes, <laughs> right? That was incredible. Like every measure and- he was just pulling it back. And I was just like, are there no texts? Somebody can throw some gaff tape on it. But I think that that, like, you could tell he wasn't frustrated. You could tell that was like, no, that's what I do, man. Like, yeah, just part of his vibe. I use lightweight single brace stands, and I stomp the hell out of the hi-hat, and I just drag yeah, it back. and they creep away, head. and I bring it on back in. And I remember, I remember thinking, okay, no more complaining about the school kit. Because that mm-hmm. dude's ride symbol is missing a 17-inch chunk. Yeah, his hi hat stand is literally getting away from him and trying to go into a hi hat hibernation locker somewhere, <laughs> and he still and he never breaks concentration of his feel and his touch. But there was something we talk about it all the time. There was something tangible about his jazz drumming that, as a rock drummer, I connected with. Where I was yeah. like, I don't know why, but I'm digging this dude, and I feel like I kind of understand his vocabulary more than I had. On guys that I look up to now, like Roy Haynes, Jack Dijonette, yeah, yeah. Brian Blade, there was something about his vocabulary. Was like, I don't know, man. I'm I'm vibing on this. Yeah, well, he came he came from more of a soul. Well, I mean, his first gigs I think were with Maceo Parker, so it was like a funk soul oh, thing. Okay. And then there's even a Schofield record that I would recommend if if you're not really a straight ahead jazz fan, but you want to check out Bill Stewart, check out the John Schofield record Hand Jive. It's a lot more like soul New Orleans funk kind of vibe. Okay. So he's playing more grooves, but it's still improvisation and stuff. So that's a really great record. Yep, Bill Stewart. Amazing. Check him out. All right, my second one is a female drummer. I actually don't know where she's from, but I know she's U.S. I think she's on the East Coast. Uh, I've talked to her on the phone a few times. Her name is Madden Class. Have you checked her out before? Yes, because she toured with um, the dude from Soul Coughing. That's the, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was out yeah. with the singer from Soul Coughing. Yeah, D- so Dowdy, she's, uh, Mike Dowdy. Mike Dowdy, yep. That's yep. it. Uh, and that's right. I remember we had talked on the phone. We had chatted a bit. I just And I really just contacted her to say that I'm a massive fan of your playing and you're very inspirational. And then, yeah, a couple of weeks later I see like her doing – and. Mike was actually doing a soul coughing tune in this clip she pit, um, posted. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I, and she, I mean, obviously she would have no idea that that was one of my favorite bands of all time. So it was really cool. But she's somebody that if you're into pocket and groove with just the tiniest bit of spice that makes you go, okay, that's kind of next level, check her out. Uh, her Instagram handle is at Madden Class, M-A-D-D-E-N-K-L-A-S-S. She's an absolute monster, cares about the pocket. Uh, from talking a little bit, she was telling me no formal lessons, nothing like that. She has mm. no 
no idea nor no care of what she's doing other than does it sound good? She's going for a sound and she closes her eyes and tries to make it happen. And I think she's she's definitely one of those other drummers just like Ragov that when I see a video of hers or just listen to her play for a little bit, I just want to go on the drum set. And that's a cool, cool power to have. Yeah, she's great. I don't even know how that her account popped up my feed, but it was instant. One of those like, okay, this is this is real deal. What's going on here? And it was, I think it was just basement yeah. clips of her practicing or something. But that's all, almost all of her videos are just her practicing in the basement. I mean, a <laughs> lot of times there's music involved because she actually tours and gigs a lot, so she's playing along to tracks or playing along to something. But it is that iPhone basement vibe that I just think it's like, oh man, this is this is killer. So she's awesome. All right, my pick is the uh, drummer Stella Mazgawa from the band Warpaint. Um, their self-titled album, which came out, I believe, in 2014, I think is a indie rock masterpiece. It's pulling some Radiohead and some Pink Floyd and some Electronica vibe. And she is like the perfect band drummer to me. Like All of her parts are creative but not distracting. Sometimes she's playing... She's playing electronic patterns, but playing them live on a pad for the whole song. And it's just one of those bands that I feel like you can just listen to constantly. If you like that kind of music, if you like new alternative Radiohead-influenced music. I got this you stuff mean on if you're vinyl. human? Yeah, not everybody digs it. But, you know, for what? me, it's, it's, it's a great listen. But at the same time, I'm just constantly inspired by her playing. It's tasteful, yeah. but creative. It's very integral. You could tell, like, she wasn't the original drummer, so there's a huge difference from the way the band sounded before she joined she's a huge part of the band and i believe they got a new record in the works hopefully coming out later this year so it should be a big year for warpaint hopefully but she's great stella mozgawa great sounds i think she only plays one cymbal like hi has some one cymbal and that's it perfect i think you and i should do a a battle of band drummers so mm. that we're not dealing with anyone's skill we're dealing with how well they do their job uh, does that make sense? Because okay, here's here's an example of somebody. Okay, I would never want to pit, um, you know, normal rock band guy against Weckle. If somebody's like, "Who's your favorite drummer?" I'm like, "Oh, Mike Borden, Faith No More," and they're like, "But compared to Vinny, it's like, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about <laughs> in that band, universe. right? Yeah, yeah. I cannot tell you how insanely badass John Otto from Limp Biscuit was." In Limp Biscuit, when we toured together, I was blown mm. away by how good he was at being in that band. And it's something where I thought, I don't know any drummer, I don't really know, I can't even think of anybody that could have been in this band and doing this as well as he's doing it. I never thought of, I never even thought, my ma my mind never went to the place of, is he a great drummer? Is he better than Weckl? Is he better than Vinny? Better yeah. than Dennis? It was just like, uh, in this setting, this dude is killing this gig. Um, and it would be cool to kind of do like a, these are my favorite people at doing their job in their band. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm already thinking of different things. Like, I think the everyone's knee jerk would be Ringo, but Paul McCartney played on some Beatles songs, and it still sounds like the Beatles. So I don't know that I would make him my choice. But I mean, like, somebody like Mitch Mitchell with. Uh, um, yeah, but I'd like I, mean, that, I like Buddy Miles with with the okay. later stuff. I mean. Bonham, of course, I think you remove Bonham from Led Zeppelin is just a yeah. not a band, and it never has been ever since. Um, yeah, good call. The Police. Oh, man, yeah, I so mean, uh, it, you Primus. know, Sting is so six. 
Oof. Yeah, Primus had like it, it, same uh, Pearl Jam. I mean, we could fight on Pearl Jam stuff like mm. Matt yeah, Cameron. Now, who is your favorite Pearl Jam? Dave. 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 Not Dave Crutzen. Dave Abrazis. I like Crutzen. Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> But I like the way Matt Chamberlain played on that one video on a live. (laughs) So I think that's a band where it's like insert a a drummer and that's going to be cool, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but it would be a fun thing to talk about for sure. Or the complete opposite, like throwing somebody in like I want not complete opposite, but what would the Deftones sound like with Bonham? Be pretty cool. It would be cool. I don't think it's too far removed. Um, I don't either. I think Rush is probably the band where, like, who on earth could possibly ever be that drummer? Yeah. I don't know. What well, one. you have to think about it. We have really gotten off topic. <laughs> but who could be in Rush before Rush happened? Because once that's happened, then I'm sure you could throw Portnoy in there or some of the more proggy guys that grew up eating a solid diet of Rush every day, and they could copy it. But what would Rush have sounded like if Neil didn't do all the work for you? What if, and yeah, you just, Phil Collins could have been Rush's drummer early on. Especially Brand X stuff, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Interesting. But it, and it would be cool to have opposites, too. I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear Ringo in Meshuggah. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> yes, I would. I mean, maybe not for, like, enjoyment, but for comedic relief. Oh, I think that'd be awesome. All right, another uh, topic would be which, which bands sound better with not the original drummer man i think chili peppers is is they became the chili peppers when chad smith joined oh yeah i mean they had great uh, drummers before but it was just when he joined so the band. yeah 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 for sure and that that is honestly how i felt about dave abrazis with uh is that how you say his name i've never known how to say I think his name. so yeah okay so I mean, for uh, all you know, really, for all practical sense, he's the original drummer because Cruzan was only on the record. He couldn't do the tour. Matt Chamberlain just did those right. two weeks where they had to play shows and they didn't have a drummer. Right. I mean, really, Dave was Pearl Jam's drummer. Totally. Right? And it's funny. I've absolutely, and I think that Matt Cameron. I mean, from he's been one of my favorite drummers since I was a kid, and I still like Pearl Jam better with with Dave. Um, I you know. But I could listen to Matt Cameron play drums, especially in Soundgarden, all day long. And I could, you know, I wonder if it's the songs, if if you like the the early Pearl Jam songs better than... I think it's all of that. And I think it's also a time in my life where music was everything to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, everyone has this emotional attachment to music from the time they were 15 to like 25. And so that, I mean, that stuff, I remember, you know, and, and I couldn't even speak without... You know, bring your hair I mean, you couldn't. You could. <laughs> oh, God, how quickly that sound became a cartoon. And then we had Creed. Holy hell. <laughs> Creed. Let's go over there. Uh, just stop it. Okay. Where, what are we uh, talking about? Good I have one Lord. last influence. One last influence. My musical influence that I've been listening to on a daily basis. His name is Connor Rain. Uh, R-A-Y-N-E. And he is in the group Brass Track. So it's technically a duo. But like Snarky Puppy, you will never see them without 40 people on stage. Uh, so the duo would be the horn player and the drummer, Connor Rain. Brass Tracks, if you have not checked out Brass Tracks, please do yourself a favor. Wherever you get music, just type in Brass Tracks. One word, 
you will love this stuff because it's really good R&B, soul, pop music, but with a massive horn section on it and really great horn arrangements. And Connor is one of those drummers that he's somebody that I sometimes don't know. I'm like, is he really doing that? Like, But it's not how technically crazy it is. It's just the sound. He's almost got a little bit of that Questlove sound where I can't tell if it's real drums or not. And then you go watch the YouTube live stuff. It's definitely real. And he just knows how to play this kind of music. And I love his feel and his touch. And so he's probably been one of my biggest influences of late. Dig it. Well, I'm done. So we're going to move on. Gear review. <laughs> this is this is going to be a problem. I want this drum. Well? Well, I want one of them. Uh, I want them both, but I really think I'm buying one of them for sure. So let's talk about So we're talking about Doc Sweeney Classic Collection Snares. This seems like he was very much so going for something all the way to the badge and everything so can you explain what these are yeah so doc sweeney um if you're not familiar they are one of the only companies that can do steam bent solid kits and so they're doing you know all different types of wood and all types of creative hybrid stuff but this past year they said let's go back to the classics let's redo the radio king let's redo old wfl stuff so the the classic collection is a throwback to 1920s drums. So you, you have a 1920s walnut drum, don't you? I do. I don't so, know if it's well, if it's walnut or if it's mahogany. But, it, I, I, yeah, I have the 20s, the Ludwig uh, 1920s, uh, what, is it, what are those called, uh, super sensitives? So this, the walnut drum in this review might be... It might be the same thing, yeah. The same thing. Is your solid shell or is it a ply drum? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, well, these are solid shell. They're designed to look like 1920s drums. So they've got, you know, a classic round or oval badge. Everything is, is spec to be old style with the straight, you know, double flange hoops. Um, the So we got two drums. We got, what are the sizes? I'm looking at the review now. Um, yeah, they're based on the Ludwig and Ludwig standard sensitive solid shell snare of the 1920s, which I think that's what then you they, have. Maybe that's exactly what I have. Yeah, I have a – it was a anniversary series. They only made 27 of them okay. or 29 in 1929, so they've got like a decorative inlay, um, but probably is the same thing. Okay, um, but, so these are both 5.5 by 14. They have uh, 5 sixteenths of an inch thick single ply steam bench shells. One of them is maple. One of them is walnut. The maple one is wrapped in a super classic uh, peacock pearl, but they call it Pacific Pearl. Um, and then the other one is just a natural walnut stain. Um, yeah, we should probably check them out. So the, the maple comes with an internal muffler, and the walnut did not. They both had, um, I think one of them had a skin tone head and one of them had a fiber skin head, but either way, they're, they're, everything is spec to sound like an old drum. They really are very different. I was kind of shocked at how different they are. Really? Yep. The maple well, sounds the maple like an one. old drum. Yep. We'll do that one first.
Wow, you're spot on. That uh, the maple drum sounds. I have old drums that sound just like that. Yeah, it's a spot on. I mean, it made me instantly. I thought Billy Higgins, some kind of like soul jazz uh, boogaloo beats or something. It just had that vibe. Yeah, um, yeah that so is. Kind of is. I mean, perfect word for it. That's a vibey snare drum. Yeah, exactly. That would not be the one that I would take for the be all end all of any gig, any session. It has a vibe. It has that old old sound but still extra clarity like it's not boxy doesn't have the boxiness but it has that kind of old soul vibe now the walnut is almost the exact opposite so let's just check that one out the walnut i hope he made enough of them to (laughs) get one over here because i need that (laughs) that thing is gorgeous all right let's give it a listen I mean, I know you're a fan of the Vinny Caruda snare sound. That mm-hmm. is the closest that I've found to that sound. It's dense. It's 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 tight and popping. It's very sensitive. You don't have to dampen it. So, what do you think the reaction from Gretsch would be the year that we release my <laughs> snare drum that I start playing this full time? Do you think it'd be good, like super positive? <laughs> that thing sounds so good. You could do the old trick and, and say, hey, Gretch, send, uh, send Doc Swinney some badges. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean that <clears throat> that's just a great sounding drum and I don't know. I mean, I'm I've told you many times I'm not too cool to pretend like the look doesn't have a massive influence on me. That's just a classic drum, classic color, classic lugs, mm-hmm. double flanged hoops. Then you've got that oval Slingerland style badge, mm-hmm. old and it's just yeah. That's now, is it matte finish or is it gloss? Uh, it was kind of glossy. It was a thicker kind of... I don't remember if it was a high gloss, honestly. But yeah, it looks like somewhere in between. Because it's uh, in the picture, there's a tiny bit of sheen to it. But in your video, it looks like it's got some gloss on it. But yeah, that thing's pretty epic. Now, are both of these 850 ish Yep. That's incredible. The price is pretty impressive for those... Yeah, I mean, for me, the walnut, oh, yeah. that is your, like, one drum, do-all drum. The maple, for me, is, like, I want something that makes me feel like I'm playing on an old Blue Note record. And that's the So it looks like he's also offering the maple one. Well, it looks like both of them will come with the muffle, if you want it. Um, and then the maple one, I'm on his website, it looks like it also comes in a natural maple finish as well. Yeah. So the one that you have with the peacock wrap. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Add the cart. That's mm. it. Check out Doc Sweeney's stuff if you haven't yet. They're, I like that they're doing classic, but also not afraid to try some crazy stuff, too, with some hybrid shells and really exotic things. It's not Everything is not a throwback, but these were pretty spot on to my ears. Yeah, and he's also offering uh, the maple and the walnut in 13 by 6.5. Interesting. No, what's interesting is it actually says 13 by 6.5 on his website because he understands <laughs> how these drums should be labeled. That's a deep, <laughs> deep drum. <laughs> Where am I going to find a 6.5-inch head? God darn it. All right. Well, those are amazing. Definitely check out DocSweeneyDrums.com. I honestly might be buying the Walnut one later today. All right. What's up next, buddy? All right. We got some listener questions. This Bring one it. is from Nathan. Uh, hi, Mike's. Our local public library is closed due to the virus situation, and they are reaching out to locals, asking them to make 30-minute instructional how-to videos to put on their YouTube channel. So far, topics are ranging from how to make homemade hand sanitizers to cooking a meal when the cupboards are bare. Anyway, they've asked me to do a drumming video. Drumming is so broad. What would you guys do in a situation like this? Presumably... Most viewers will be non-drummers, and I have no idea where to start. Basic rock beats, or do people no. care about that? Let me know if you have any ideas. Now, you start with sticking. Um, sticking is something that anyone in the world can understand. Everyone, drummer or not, knows where their right hand is and where their left hand is. So if you just teach them something that's fun to say, like paradiddle or um, you know anything like that, I mean, that just is so easy, and then tell them you have to assume that most of these people don't have sticks so grab something yeah. like a pot or a pan and turn it upside down yeah oh really yeah <laughs> turn it, it upside fun. down put your right hand on that and then your left hand goes onto a book and then you play para diddle para diddle para diddle para diddle and make it a, a a goal like how fast can they do this and obviously they're not going to have a metronome so maybe how many of these can you do in a minute and make it like a family thing See if you could get someone in the family to do the right-hand part while someone in the family does the left-hand part. Those things are – that's human rhythm. People can handle that. Just yep. stay away from drum stuff. No. 
and drum yeah. set stuff for sure. I was going to say the same thing. Grab some cardboard boxes. Grab anything that has any kind of percussive sound. Just make sure you don't play along to any like music because YouTube will shut you down instantly. Like don't play along to any any copyrighted music. Good point. All right, let's go to our next one. This one is um, huge, huge beats. <laughs> With a Z, of course. Looking to get my beats smaller. I've heard Mike Johnston uh, talk about how he can play the drums and still maintain a normal conversation. Hey, we were just talking about that. Yeah. After watching him actually do this, I was blown away, and I'm actually a pretty quiet player to begin with, but would like to develop this skill more. Um, I've tried lighter sticks, but they don't feel the same as normal sticks. I've also tried hitting softer, but my touch seems tenuous. Is this just a matter of decades of playing every day, or are there specific things that I can practice in order to develop this skill? Huge oh, beats. I think we both probably... Yeah, I think we... <laughs> huge beats. Huge! I think we huge. both have some insight on that, because you have to do it not out of a desire to sound different, but you actually have to do it on a practical level where you're not allowed to play at a specific volume because of the venue you might be playing at. Yeah, yeah, all the time. My I approach almost never is way get to different. play as loud as I want to. <laughs> That's kind of the so, frustration of being like a club gigging drummer is you're never going to play at that like satisfying volume, at least not yeah, very often. Yeah, <laughs> dig in. Like, at no point is the owner going to be like, hey, is there any way you could just really dig in a little bit? Because I'm not feeling the backbeat uh, back by the bar area. Right. So what are some tricks of the trade that you do to get that volume done? Is it as simple as just clamping down a little bit and trying to play quieter? Yeah, I mean, you just have to keep your stick heights as low to the drum as you can. You have to um, think about the frequencies. So you really want to be focused on the cymbals and the snare drum not being as loud. You can still kind of stomp the bass drum in most cases. So if that's what's throwing you off is you feel like you have to kind of feather tap everything, let a little bit more weight hit the bass drum and focus on your crashes being like little flicks of the wrist. That'll be huge. Um, Choke up on the sticks a little bit further than you usually do. Um, and yeah, and just try to maintain an internal intensity. So just f- get the emotions inside your body that feel the same as when you're really smashing the drums. And don't let the dynamic make you feel kind of wimpy inside as well. Like you just have, you have to yeah. feel intense. You have to play with intensity. It's just with lower stick heights. Yeah, That's I'm, hard I'm to with do. It takes a lot of practice. It does. I think it comes down to the practice, the mindset, playing quieter than you think you need to play. I commonly reference being in the room the first time I saw Ash Stone do a class at 21 Drums and he played the drums at a pretty normal volume and, he, and that dude hits. I mean he's all about like he records himself for a living so he hits to make the drums sound how they need to sound at the microphones. He's mm-hmm. not thinking about people sitting a few feet away from him. He hit pretty hard. No one plugged their ears but every time he crashed he hit the top of the stick on the bell of the crash. Those were his mm. crashes. That's where he marked things. Right. And I just remember thinking, wow, this doesn't seem as loud as I, it should be. And it was because of exactly what you said. He took all the high frequencies out. Yep. We were left with mainly kick and snare. He was playing tip of the stick, top of the hat in his shuffles instead of side of the stick, side of the hat. Yep. And his crashes were just little taps. And that made it really enjoyable. So there would be that. The other thing, if you want something practical to practice, I would recommend this. Take out your phone, put it on the floor, Tom, open up a song that you want to jam to, and jam to it. No headphones, no in-ears, no nothing. The phone is the volume, and jam to it. And if you can't hear the music, I 
guarantee if you stop playing, you'll hear the music fine. So it is your fault. At no point are the drums being too loud. It's always us. <laughs> it's, it's always our fault. So just play so that you can hear the music coming out of your phone and then see like, okay, well, that was with my phone at 10. Could you do it if your phone was at the volume of 8? Could you do it with your phone at the volume of 5? And if you overstress this thing, then playing at like a mild volume, you won't feel so restricted doing it. Yeah, that's really important. I feel like that takes practice as well because you also have to have fun and enjoy yourself when you're doing that. So it's going to be impossible. You're going to be frustrated. But then once you get under control, like, all right, now can I be comfortable here? And I try to do that at every clinic or workshop. I at least play along to a loop without headphones just a little bit just to show that, like, this, there's no tricks here. I'm not playing to a click track. I'm not faking it. I'm just what you're hearing is what I'm hearing. I'm having to adjust. The speakers are 10 feet in front of me. I'm having to listen, right. you know, up front. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just like, I mean, every, almost every gig I play, I don't have a monitor. I barely hear the vocals. Right. You have to, like, listen ahead of yourself a lot of times. Yeah. It's and tough. I think the other thing that happens is once you finally do get that volume down, then you start to really enjoy playing drums because now you have control to change the mood with volume. And when you do hit a big fat backbeat, it stands out. When you do like a on the toms, it stands mm-hmm. out. When everything is, you know, I always say like getting to 100 miles an hour in a Ferrari is great, but after about four seconds, you're just at 100 miles an hour and it feels like you're standing still because mm-hmm. the inertia is gone. So, unless you're going to be ramping it up and down with the volume, there's really not a lot of uh, journey that the listener can go on. So, once you get that volume down, then you can play with bringing it up and it's a lot of fun. Dig it. That's all we have time for. Uh, we have a new email address. You can you can send them directly to me. So that'd be Mike D at moderndrummer.com with your audio questions, with your intro, outro beats, with your email questions. Again, it's just Mike D at moderndrummer.com. No, I won't put you on the cover of the magazine, so you can just not ask. <laughs> but I want to hear from you directly. Hey man, here's my intro beat. And by the way, is there any way I could get a cover? Thanks, man. <laughs> All right, pick of the week. What do you got? Huge beats. All right. (laughs) My pick of the week this time is uh, something that could probably get you guys in a bit of trouble. Uh, The website is called Huckberry, and it is the dream for all people that are kind of nerds but outdoorsy nerds. Mm. So this is like the coolest stuff in the world all brought together. There's tech. There's – I've got a knife in my pocket. Technically, it's an Amazon box opener, but – the, on the website it said knife um, so I, I bought it from there and they've got things that I, I can't even explain how much stuff is on this website but and when I say you get, you'll get in trouble is once they capture your email address it is the one email you actually look forward to getting because it's just <laughs> scroll after scroll after scroll of the coolest stuff ever so um, I know that right now we're all trying to save money a little bit but the only reason I made it my pick of the week is because right before this podcast started, I mean, I delete so many emails every day, but anytime somebody gets me to actually click on an email mm. and then I put stuff in the cart, which I did today, <laughs> I was like, all right, y'all got me. So they, they have something that I really quick want to get your opinion on. It's not them, but you can get it at Huckberry.com. So it is called, uh, I'm not quite sure what it's called, but it is a smartphone that only has two features, text and calling. Matte black smartphone, you can only text and call on it. There are no apps, and it's to get people to slightly unplug a little bit from the world. Um, it's kind of built not 
to make that your common phone. But like, if you're going to go on vacation with the wife, mm-hmm. switch. Just take your SIM card out of your iPhone, pop it into this thing, and then you're available for for emergencies. But you're not distracted by this thing. Would you consider ever doing something like that? Yeah, for sure. Especially if I, if I had children, I think it would be really important, like exactly. to be present in their daily activities rather than looking at people thumbs down in YouTube videos. Um, but for it's, me, I don't. Yeah. I just kind of plug my phone in in a different room and just leave it for a couple hours. That's okay. I can. That's kind of that. what I. Yeah. Even when I get home now, I actually just leave my phone in the car. Like I pull into the garage, leave my phone in the car, and it's like, all right, the next three hours, it's. Wife, dog, dinner. Because I, mm-hmm. I just don't trust myself. I will constantly look at it. But yeah, it's called the Light Phone 2, distraction-free cell phone. Uh, it's pretty cool. And anyways, <laughs> I'm not saying I put that in my cart today or two of them. But it is it is really cool. And uh, that's all at Huckberry. I have no idea why that's my pick of the week, but I was just enjoying. We've got a lot of home time. So scroll through, have some fun, and don't be mad at me if I just wasted your savings account. <laughs> All right. Well, what my about you, buddy? Week will only cost you about seventy nine ninety nine, but <laughs> I think you should probably get five or six of them, and that is the classic Shure SM fifty seven microphone, which I'm sure was my pick of the week in the beginning of this podcast. So I mentioned an hour ago that I've been doing a lot of shootouts of microphones, and I'm always trying to beat the SM fifty seven. It almost always, if it's not my favorite, it's good enough to where I don't need to spend any more money to get a a better mic for snare drum top, snare drum bottom, inside the bass drum, if you want a really clicky, attacky inside sound. Room mics, they might be the best room mics because they're just so mid-rangey. There's no highs and super lows. They just kind of give you that that mid-rangey room sound that most of the time you're EQing for anyway. They're great for the close center of the kit crotch mic kind of vibe hi-hat um i mean it's toms is the one thing where sometimes i like it sometimes i don't but okay. if i needed to it's fine totally fine so you could it's, theoretically mic your entire kit with sm57s i think you and i have talked about too that the famous bass drum mic from sure the beta 52 you think it's a very similar capsule right yeah i think it's got a little bit of an eq curve but it's the same mic inside that football shaped body <laughs> <laughs> but we see it and we're like oh it'll capture Based so much low mic. end it's just like what the broadcast yeah. mic the sm7 i think again totally. it's the same insides it's just in a different body wow. but yeah very cool well i i'm with you I, I always find it depressing and motivating at the exact same time where you just go like well i just want to you know me as a tinkerer i just want to beat it yeah but every time it's like yeah just damn thing does its job it sounds every good time. and it yeah it, it, you can really kind of get aggressive with eq and compression it's not super bright so you're not dealing with harshness there's not a lot of wolfiness i would say the one thing i love about the 57 is the fact that it's just it's a no excuses mic like if you can't get it to sound good with the 57 then it's it's your drum it's your playing it's it's not the mic's fault exactly and it's durable you can smash it with a stick every once in a while and it won't explode like a thousand dollar ribbon mic (laughs) have you ever have you ever been to a club where they bent a fork over the top of it no. <laughs> oh my god. I've I've been to so many clubs where they gaff tape a fork to the top of the mic and then bend the prongs down over the capsule and then that's the guard against drummers hitting it. <laughs> that's amazing. Man, <laughs> yeah, that that's is pretty, awesome. pretty harsh. <laughs> <laughs> not that's where that. I'm like, who well, you guys probably have better geeking musicians on the East Coast. I'm, I'm, this is, you know, Sacramento guys are just swinging for the fences trying to be Abe Cunningham. 
with <laughs> giant two Bs. All right, name. everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I know we went on some tangents, but uh, Mike and I needed to just chat, and it was a, it was a good time. So if you can, if you have intro and outro beats, send those to Mike D at moderndrummer.com. How'd I do? That's give it. Give me the look. Mike D Woof. at moderndrummer.com. That's it. No more MD info. Just get rid of that one. That one's off limits. Mike <laughs> wow. D at moderndrummer.com. But you will not be on the cover. Unless you are. <laughs> I don't know. I think Steve Gadd's like, oh, damn, I was going to email him, but I kind of wanted to be on the cover, too. Guess nope. I'm not. I'm not the guy. I'm the wrong guy for that. So <laughs> That's our, a good point. You're not the guy. Our outro groove is by Mike Gruwell, a.k.a. at Mike's Drum Tracking. And this is what he's calling a funky cascara. So we're going to send it out on a funky cascara tip. And everyone be safe, healthy, practice, don't troll. That's it. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> All right, see you next Later, week. guys.